I'm going to talk today about two kinds of wisdom. We live in a world where few people think for themselves. And everyone knows it. Edward T. Hall, who's a professor of anthropology, said, man has put himself in his own zoo. He has so simplified his life and stereotyped his responses that he may as well be in a cage. The natural act of like thinking is greatly modified by the culture that we live in. And Western man only uses a fraction of his ability to think. Cultural anthropology, which is sometimes called social anthropology, is the study of human behavior as it is influenced by other people around you and by the culture. And they know just by studying people that there is this enculturation that takes place right from the womb up. And popular culture is the most powerful force. It's the most seductive force that is pushing against us. And we've got to understand it if we really want to be people of wisdom. If we really want to be able to be, I'm a free thinker. You know, I listen to people all the time. You know, and you kind of think, okay, like... You're not a free thinker. Just everything you've just said is so popular culture. It's so been ingrained into you. You don't question it. You don't try to go in any way. You can't be a free thinker. You can't think deeper and do amazing things until you understand the things and popular culture that has pushed against you all your life. We tend to not think. And so people don't like to think. People would prefer to go with the flow. Because to think and to come to your own conclusions where popular culture is wrong not only means you have to have the effort of thinking, but you also are now going to go against the norm. And when you go against the norm, you're like that game at the fair where the moles pop their heads up and you got to keep hitting the mole down. You go boop, 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 and your kids will put in a couple loonies and you grab this big bat and you don't know which hole the mole's going to pop up. It's bam, 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 bam. And everybody knows that in popular culture, if you are going to be different, if you're going to stick your head up and have a new opinion or a different opinion, you are immediately attacked. And so cowards continually just go with popular culture. And whether you are a Christian or not, you're not going to go anywhere new. You might rise up to some level of leadership. You might rise up to some level of being popular. Uh, you might rise up to some level of success where you feel good about yourself. But you are not a thinker. Thomas Merton says, we must make the choices that enable us to fulfill our deepest capacities of our real selves. That doesn't mean just rise up and go against everything you've been taught. There's probably some brilliant principles, depending upon where you were taught, that you need to learn to hang on to, but think yourself clear in those principles so you're not just saying, well, this is what I am. What are you? Well, for example, I'm a Christian because I live in Canada. I'm a Christian because I go to church. Um, yeah, I believe the Bible. I'm not sure what it says, but you know, that's, no, you just fall, you should for yourself, even as a believer, dive into God's word and check it out so that you can think. Proverbs 16, 16, Solomon said, 
How much better to get wisdom than gold and to choose understanding than silver? Solomon continually warns us in the wisdom books of listening to fools, listening to sinners. A sinner is the definition of a sinner, just so you know, well, sinners go to hell. Okay, well, you better clarify what you mean by that because in the new covenant, okay, you can sin, which means to miss the mark for God's best. So to know to do good and not do it, that's sin. So are you going straight to hell? No. If you are born again, then you are a follower of Christ. Then you are continually renewing your mind with the word because a wicked heart of unbelief, a wicked heart. What's a wicked heart? An axe murderer, a child killer. Well, of course, but it's actually just saying a heart of unbelief. Now, there's a whole bunch of teaching in there because unbelief is not something you can't stop. These are choices that you're making on this road of life. These are decisions that you are making. People often will talk to me or others and, and they'll just say, you're just so lucky. Everything seems to go good for you. Or God sure has blessed you as though God chooses whom he blesses and whom he does not. Now that's old covenant teaching, but that's not new covenant teaching. Because in the new covenant, because of Jesus, all of us when we're born again are in him and everything's been given to us through him. You don't even have to ask for God's permission to get it. Which is why so many people are messed up with Bible. Because they think they have to ask God's permission for healing, ask God's for permission for prosperity, ask God's permission, uh, you know, to, for, no, he's already given you. He's already given you all things, Peter teaches us in his two books, that, that concern your life, your entire life on this planet, and being able to live godly. So the choices you make, the choices you make every day, about 2,000 of them, those are determining your future. Now, Christians who have magical thinking just feel like do whatever you want and just pray for a miracle. I believe in miracles, and if you've been here long enough, you know how much I believe in miracles. But I also know that needing a miracle is the lowest level of serving God. And there are three more higher up that are far better once you dive into God's word. I don't mind needing miracles, but I believe that wisdom will help you to need far fewer. And the Bible says that. And so everybody here is making decisions all the time. A decision whether to run the amber light when it's too late. A decision on what to read, who to hang out with, where to go for lunch. You're making decisions that seem, uh, you know, just neutral, uh, etc. But you're continually making decisions. So the Word of God begins to teach you and I a development. And I'm going to go through some of it. A development that changes you so powerfully that you begin to make correct decisions in almost every case. And this correct making of decisions in how to answer that person, how to speak to that person, how to work on your marriage, how to work on your sex life, how to work on kids, how to work on business, all these decisions, um, how, what am I putting in my head, what am I putting in my heart, what am I listening, it, it's just stunning. And so the Bible says wisdom 
is the principal thing. The principal thing. People don't like being wrong. It, it is hard to be wrong. And so if you are insecure in your identity, in the beliefs of your heart of who you are, then to be wrong is like a slap in the face. Bam! And so people will do anything to be right. They'll make, even when they're obviously wrong, it's so hard to be wrong, they'll begin to make excuses as to why they were pushed into that decision, who it was that influenced them to make that decision. But to just be wrong, outright wrong, takes a very mature person. The Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs that it's a person filled with wisdom who looks and likes it when he's wrong and someone corrects him. Isn't that interesting? But a fool will get upset if you disagree with his opinion. A wise man will listen to you disagree with him, and his eyeballs, there's a smile on his face. He wants to know what you think. Isn't that love? Isn't that valuing somebody? When you can listen to them, and they're totally disagreeing with how you think and how you look at things, but you're just listening. Why? Because you care more about them than being right. You're so secure in who you are in Christ that you might be right, 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 and continually prove that I'm right, I'm smart. There, some people work so hard at trying to prove they're smart. It's like the Shakespearean uh, saying, thou protesteth too much. And so today, I, my prayer is that I can help you in this area just begin to change and begin to accept people who disagree, people who have a different opinion, and you won't feel like you have to fix everybody. Jesus taught us. He said, do not try to remove the sliver in your brother's eye. His opinion, what he thinks, feels, and does. It's behavior. When you got a log in your own. He's all through the Bible. When you begin to look at wisdom and the ability to produce and walk in wisdom, you are going to find how much of the teaching of Jesus and the Old Testament Proverbs and the Pauline epistles as how to get a new kind of wisdom, how much it's dealing with you so you have the capacity to have a new kind of wisdom. But you can't as long as you arrogantly hang on to what you believe. People think that manhood is being right and sticking to what you believe. What if what you believe is so wrong? What if what is stopping you from being and, 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 and walking in the giftedness and the, in, in, the, in the path that God's made for you is so beautiful, but you need help, you need encouragement? Did you know that almost every answer to prayer is a person that walks into your life? The Egyptians had God's people in bondage and they prayed for deliverance and he sent them Moses. Look at every period of history when they had no country and they were living out in the wilds and living in caves and, and they had, it was just awful and, come to, and, and armies would come in and just destroy them every time they even got ahead a little bit and they cried out to God and he sent them Gideon. Look at every Bible story and you're going to find that person is an answer to prayer. Jesus is an answer to prayer all down through history. 
And even Simeon and Anna, who interceded at the temple every day for years so that that, that the Messiah would come. I've read a lot of books on religion. I've studied a lot of world religions. I've walked through and, and just said, okay, God, I want to learn. Because everybody on the planet who is religious is seeking after God. There's this heart need in everybody for God. And then as you seek God and you go through different ways of looking at God and trying to discover God. And the Bible says, seek and you will find. I have grown in such awe of the Bible. The Bible is one of the greatest books at giving you mental health. Filled with teachings on mental health, emotional health. Filled with teachings on how to walk out relationships, businesses, arguing, fighting, how to establish countries, how to be a leader that can lead a country with such excellence. All of that is in the Bible, which is why Judeo-Christian countries who form themselves on Judeo-Christian laws as their, as their law, that why they have doing so well, none of them are perfect, and why the world from all other countries formed on different legal established uh, beginnings, why they're always trying to get to a country whose legal basis is Judeo-Christian principles, because they're so brilliant. In James chapter 3, and verse 14, it says, and, if, and by all means, don't brag about being wise and good if you are bitter and jealous and selfish. That is the worst sort of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not in God's kind of wisdom. Let's talk about two kinds of wisdom now. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, inspired by the devil. We have a dark kingdom and we have a kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. Those are the two spiritual kingdoms on a planet filled with over 200 natural kingdoms. Now, these spiritual kingdoms are a different dimension, if I could put it that way. And there's an ability for, for this wisdom to come out of both kingdoms. Many Bible experts, when studying the Old Testament, and begin to see how in the world did people know to be this evil? Why did they, you know, and there's children present, but I could go through the Old Testament and show you such sick, disgusting things they did to their families, their children, themselves, trying to appease a God. And there's no way that God will ever ask that. So it's evil and it's coming in. Uh, and then, so it's talking about a wisdom that is earthly, sensual, unspiritual, and inspired by the dark side. People often ask me, why is this happening? I don't understand why it's happening. And they're looking for a, a logical reason. But the wisdom that comes out of the dark kingdom is always around pride. Now, pride in its downline, in its tributaries, is also about selfishness, self-centeredness, self-absorbed, self-promoting, self-grandizing. Pride and self are so wrapped together that whenever you see any kind of selfishness, self-centeredness, etc., you are going to have pride. And pride, Proverbs says, goes before destruction. Why? Because God looks at you and shoots you for doing it? No, because pride is where you cannot be wrong. 
You are so insecure and everything's about you. And so what happens is all of your heart beliefs and all of your decisions are all about you. And so you cannot build a life. It's going to collapse. And so pride goes before destruction. If you do not move out of self-centeredness, you do not move out of pride, it says you're going to destroy what? Marriage, home, health, everything you get around will be destroyed. And a haughty spirit before a fall, it says. And so this wisdom that the world so prizes, and in popular culture, they will make up new rules that if you need to get ahead, it's okay, come on. No one's going to look after you but you. Take the credit, step on fingers, get up any way you can. It's okay, because the end justifies the means. Just get ahead. And in our world today, it's so bad that leaders of government don't have to keep their word, don't have to say anything truthful, they don't have to answer any questions. It's now impacting our businesses. If you can rip somebody off and have more income coming out of, in out of that deal, and the guy finds out, you're going to just say, hey, dude, I mean, all's fair in love and war. Really? Well, the Japanese say, you know, that, uh, that, that business is war. Really? Now, we know those things go on in the world, but are you really? going to walk out this fallen wisdom, this dark sensual wisdom that is all about you. It's all about you getting ahead, as though getting ahead is so important. No, it goes on to say, in verse 16, for wherever there is jealousy or selfish ambition, there will be disorder and every other kind of evil. Here's the thing about evil leaders. Evil leaders, according to the word of God, and that's a whole other message I could show you, that because there's evil, they are not submitting to the wisdom of God. If they begin to walk into a leadership role, they will fall apart. Confusion will begin to um, be the, 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 the mark of the day. And it says they will be destroyed. It says they will fall into their own traps. Their own arrows will enter their own heart. Their own sword will enter their own heart. Every word they speak, if it's going to come against a believer who is believing for no word formed against me shall prosper comes back at them. And so all through the word and the wisdom, if you walk in wisdom, okay, then everyone comes against you. You need to feel sorry for them. Now it goes on to say in verse 17 of James three, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and full of quiet gentleness. Then it is peaceful, loving, courteous. It allows discussion isn't that interesting? And it is willing to yield to others. You see, your willingness to lead to somebody who has a deeper look at something you believe or a new look at something you believe is a willingness to submit your mind, your heart. It doesn't mean that the things you know for sure, like Jesus is your Lord, that you're just going to, you know, just be open and say, ah, maybe he's not. Let's think about this. Now, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that there is the things that you hold as true and even that you are sure of, there are so many levels deeper of learning and growing in it that will affect so many areas of your life. And so there is a wisdom, verse 17 says, that comes from heaven. It's full of mercy. It's full of good deeds. It is wholehearted, straightforward, and sincere. If you want to know how to judge any person on leadership, you can use these two verses. Well, the Bible says don't judge. No, it says don't judge their heart. This will help you judge their actions and what follows 
leaders, if you're hiring staff for a, a higher level position, um, these are the things you would want. Whereas old business style would be dressed for success, tough women get the corner office, and, and all these teachings on that you better make a way for yourself because nobody else will. And so they teach you force, but the Bible teaches power, two different things. Force is you manipulating. It is you causing and making a way for yourself. Whereas if you will use the principles of God's word in your career, etc., the Bible teaches you that God promotes, meaning the things are going on in your heart that he'll promote you. It says promotion does not come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. I'm not talking about blessing. The blessing Jesus has all over you. I'm talking about the ability to be promoted through secular businesses, your own businesses, to be promoted up into an influential place in career areas, etc. This is crucial. And God understands that if we're going to influence countries, cities, healthcare, if we're going to influence church, if we're going to influence government, if we're going to influence arts and entertainment, if we're going to influence education, then we don't sit around praying for a miracle. Lord, save our university. I think you should pray. There's a better way to pray for universities. But we need to raise up leaders. We need to recognize that we are the salt and the light. Look at every miracle in the Bible. Boy, my time is already up. Look at every miracle in the Bible. And you will find that when God brings change, there's, there's a number of ways he does it. But it will always involve the obedience of a person. Otherwise... God would just, boom, devil gone, whole world's fine. No, there's a whole lot more legality in the spirit realm to that when God gave the planet to mankind, put them in authority, and then they somehow caused a problem where the enemy came in and took authority to such a degree that he even promised Jesus, bow down to me, I'll give you the authority that I have over cities around this world. There's an authority that he manifests and uses and the greatest way he influences the world is to think he's a little guy in a red, you know, set of leotards and a forked tail and, uh, and a pitchfork. And, that he, and to laugh at it. And all there is is dark side in people. Well, there's truth to that. But to, uh, to not believe that within our world is a kingdom of darkness that brings evil and a kind of wisdom that is self-serving, grandizing, making you want to get up and just have more, make more. Why is some of this stuff happening? Because there is evil in the world. You talk to any policeman, fireman, paramedic, emergency nurse, doctor who couldn't even begin to tell you the stories of the sick things that have seen that people do to each other and the stuff that goes on. And, and even if they want to say to me, I'm an atheist, I don't even believe, if I talk to them even for a few minutes, I know we'll begin to rehash stories we've seen and we'll go, why does this happen? And there's no reasoning other than until you get to heaven, there are two kingdoms on this planet and you'd better understand there is evil. If you don't believe it, just read history. Are you kidding? One man kill millions of people, babies, children. Happens over and over and over, over the thousands of the years of world history. And now, right now, things are going on. And so I'm saying all of this to say there is a wisdom that comes from above. Let's not be seduced by popular culture. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. 
Another version of the same verse says, do not model your behavior on the contemporary world. But, but it says, but let the renewing of your mind transform you. Solomon continually was showing us that we had to have wisdom. In the New Testament, the Bible, especially as the appalling revelation as Jesus begins to show Paul what happens now that Jesus died on the cross, that then he begins to show us how to have this wisdom. He begins to teach us that the wisdom talked about in the Old Testament is actually a personification of Jesus. He is our wisdom. He is wisdom. And that when you accept Christ and your spirit man, boom, comes alive, you can actually now receive it because where you receive the wisdom from God is in your spirit. Okay? That's why wisdom is a revelation. It's, it's an apocalypsis. It's, it's a lifting of the veil where when it's from God, it's one day you're reading the Bible, you're thinking and you're praying or worshiping, and all of a sudden, boom, this revelation hits you goes, and it's like, that's a revelation. Whereas your five senses use reasoning. And five senses gather data, gather evidence, and begin to form line upon line, precept upon precept, all of this information, which is really important. I don't care how, gift, I don't care how gifted a brain surgeon is and how well he knows God. If he's never done brain surgery, never been trained in brain surgery, I'll take the guy, I'll take the, <laughs> I'll take the dude over there who doesn't know anything about God, but he's done a thousand of them. So don't ever think that to be spiritually, that that's what, no, they work together. Your spirit <clears throat> has a voice. It has a way of being informed. Your mind, your emotions, they have a voice, a way of being informed. Your physical body, it's got a voice. There's ways for you to control. The Bible is stunning at these things. And Matthew Kelly said it this way. And I'm not quoting Christians, by the way. I'm just quoting people from psychology and from these areas who are looking at the world with these eyes that are wide open. He says, we must decide what is really important, really necessary. Make it a priority and make time. Otherwise, the siren call of the world will always keep us busy and distracted from what really is important and what really counts. Wisdom is the principal thing. And my challenge to you today is to recognize that if you've given your life to Christ, then everything he did on the cross is within your human spirit because the Holy Spirit is within your human spirit. And he is filled with the wisdom of God. He's filled with the healing power of God. Every decision that you ever need to make, there's a knowing that you have as you develop the word of God. That's why renewing your mind with the word is so crucial. Because the way you're designed right now, your mind has to agree with your spirit because it determines what's flowing through your body. The mind is this, um, this onboard computer that if it does not agree with what your spirit is saying, it's going to do what it thinks is smart. And so the renewing of the mind is not just a new information. It is a washing of water by the word. It is living word that comes in and it just begins to take the word of God and it begins to just wash your mind. In other words, it pushes out beliefs that are wrong. And we all have them.
That's why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit searches our hearts, the deepest part of our hearts. Our heart is our subconscious. Now, it's way more than that, but to give an understanding of it, where your deepest held beliefs about yourself are. And until those change, it's Groundhog Day for you and I. It's the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. And then you'll begin to look at others. Or you'll begin to look at world leaders. You'll begin to look at your country, uh, the color of your skin, your language. Your mama didn't breastfeed you long enough. Your daddy wasn't there. Or, and there's a lot of hurtful things. But it does not hold back the born-again believer when the presence of God comes into their spirit man. You then can have literally the mind of Christ. Think about that. You can have the mind of Christ. And, the, and let me read it to you in the, in, in, the, uh, in the Amplified. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, for who has known or understood the mind, the counsels, and the purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? A lot of religious leaders and preachers use this teaching that no one knows the mind of God. His ways are past finding out. You know, you know that verse, and so you're just some poor little guppy that, you know, going to be controlled by, the, by him. So, no, but when in the New Testament, when Jesus is quoting and referring to that, uh, here through the Apostle Paul, it says, but now we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and we hold the thoughts of his heart. We hold the feelings of his heart. We hold the purposes. Those three words are wrapped up in this. Jesus' thoughts, Jesus' feelings, and Jesus' purposes, you can hold them in your heart as you obey the Word of God and renew your mind with the Word of God. People will often ask me about things, and I'll give them an answer and immediately. And they go, well, don't you want to pray about it? I go, no. Well, well, why not? Because what does God say? Oh, God's within me, and in most cases, I know within seconds what I would do. And if I don't know, well, then, yeah, I'll take some time. But usually that's to talk to other leaders and just say, get some wisdom from the counsel of many. And, uh, and, and it irritates people because we have this Christian belief that you should go away and fast for 40 days. And then God will speak to you. I feel sorry for you. I don't have time. The amount of decisions I have to make running four organizations around this planet nonstop, 40 days to go make. And I'm making decisions on millions of dollars and, and all the things. I don't have time to go for 40 days on every decision to hear the voice of God. I'm so glad that according to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, I am filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled with it. Filled in all, in all wisdom and understanding and I bear fruit in every good work. You need to claim that promise. Filled with his will and bearing fruit. In other words, everything you do succeeds because you're filled with the knowledge of his will. You're making decisions out of the wisdom of God. Life gets so much easier when you simply begin to obey the teaching of the word, renewing your mind, making your body a living sacrifice, spending time meditating so that you begin to use. See, the only way you can have wisdom is to get the facts. That's knowledge. And it's your job to go after knowledge. And then as you meditate on the knowledge, you get understanding. 
And understanding is your ability to apply the facts to your situation, your storm, your relationship, your career, your situation. Now, wisdom is the application of that. And so most people praying for wisdom are three steps away and aren't doing anything to get there. So it's much easier for the church today to say, well, um, I'm just praying, just reading the red and praying for power. And God's going to show up. God's going to show up. He never fails me. That means for the rest of your life, you will be in survival mode. You'll never take any quadrant or any area of your life into stability. Don't you want to make decisions that stabilize your marriage, stabilize your health, stabilize your emotional health, stabilize your career, stabilize your family, and don't stop at stable. When we say, hey, how's your marriage? And you go, stable, it's not a compliment. But now, beyond stability is success. It is a Bible word. And then everything that you do begins to succeed. But there's still another one, and it's significance. When we understand, oh, I am so in love with the Bible. I love studying it, reading it. I love listening to others teach on it. I love people who want to talk about it because what's in here is far beyond. In my lifetime, I will never touch but just a little drop of what I could be capable of with the presence of God in me. So it never ends. Wisdom is the principal thing. And there is a wisdom because of Jesus and the fact that you can receive him as Savior and Lord that gives you a constant second-by-second flow of access to making every decision and to renew your mind so that as you walk into the next level of success, it doesn't kill you. Success kills you? Yeah. Well, I want a quarter of a million dollar job. Good. Take the corner office and run 4,000 staff you're going to have a nervous breakdown. They'll all be complaining about you, blogging about you, uh, cutting you down in coffee shop. Uh, They're all going to be trying for your job, backstabbing you. Can you handle that? Well, then you don't want the success of the next career move in your job until you, I mean, I could go on and on and on with these things. So (laughs) make sure that you begin to say, God, I want you to teach me. Holy Spirit, you're my coach. You're my helper. Let's renew my mind so I can be the individual you created me to be. That I could plumb the depths of everything you've placed within me to bring into this world for my family, my generations, my country, my marriage, my home. People don't know that they're walking around greatness. You are called to be great and significant. He, God does not have a time frame that goes, he's holding you back. Some people think like a horse where the rider's got the bridle and they're just holding him back. A horse has a hard time running when you pull his head back too far or you crank his head down too far. He can't run. And that everyone thinks that's what God is doing to you. And you don't realize that God is there and he is giving you full reign and that it's in your court to decide. Now, if you take off before you have the wisdom, it's going to hurt you. So just never stop this incredible relationship with wisdom. His name is Jesus. Father, I thank you today. I pray that what I've said today would just not just touch their mind, but it will speak 
to the very heart, the very core of their being. And that, Father, regardless of what goes on around them, what their family thinks, or even their spouse, children, or, or parents, they'll want to know you. And you said that you can make us wiser than our teachers, wiser than our enemies, and wiser than people older than us. I pray that anointing upon all that we do as a church. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. If you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about, it's simply you accepting him. He's already died in your place. He's already taken your sins. He's already provided a stunning life for you. And it's there, but he will not force it on you. You have to accept and receive him. If you'd like to do that, then right now, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as Lord and Savior. And today I start the journey of building a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.